This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Gabe Kleiner is a youth soccer coach, a college soccer coach, and is also a ODP coach in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. And we spent the majority of our conversation dissecting what ODP is today. I had questions. I know that listeners in the past have had questions. And I think that Gabe answers some of those questions for us here on this podcast. So it was a joy to get somebody on that has that ODP experience and kind of walk us through what ODP is today, what it was in the past, and I guess what the intentions of it really are. In addition to talking about ODP, Gabe kind of walks through what he feels are some of the most important aspects of coaching. Uh, He talked a little bit about how the game itself is simple, but there are so many other things that make coaching complex. And if you are a youth soccer coach, you know that that is true. So Gabe offers his thoughts on that. And I do want to provide a little disclaimer that Gabe is a 343 coaching member. And that is how we are connected. And that was not the reason that I brought him on this podcast, uh, but him and I had been direct messaging before, and I felt like it was a good time to bring somebody like Gabe on the show to talk about some of the topics that we talked about. But of course, we do talk about his experience with the 343 Coaching Education Program. So if you want to learn more about that program that he is a part of, you can find all of that at 343coaching.com. And that is actually the program that you've heard me talk about in the past uh, that helps to support and fund this podcast. Our online coaching courses offered at 343coaching.com provide behind-the-scenes access to the proven 343 methodology that has helped develop some of the top players and top teams in this country. And some of those players recently signed professional contracts as teenagers, and one of them, Alex Mendez, just earned player of the tournament after scoring two goals for USA in the CONCACAF U-20 championship against Mexico. So if you are interested in learning more about what went into the making of a player like Alex, you can see the entire process from when him and his teammates were just a group of 10-year-olds that were transitioning from playing in the park to playing local club soccer to then progressing through the development academy and then graduating to the professional and youth national team levels. Everything was documented, the real training sessions, the real games, the real coaching points, and you will hear how important seeing and hearing those things are, and you will hear Gabe talk about the importance of hearing and seeing those things. But all of that is offered to help reduce your own trial and error time by learning the tools that worked for 343 and how you can apply them in your own environments with your own players. And Gabe talks a lot about that as well in this episode towards the end of the episode, actually, to be specific. So if you would like to find more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that Gabe is a part of, the program that I am actually a member of and I have been a member of since the beginning, uh, you can find all the information. You can sign up and start learning today by visiting 343coaching.com. All right. I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast with Gabe Kleinert.
man. Well, what's going on? Uh, well, it's it's like lunchtime where I'm at right now. It's like <laughs> breakfast where you're at. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's so funny. So I last night I was exhausted. I went to bed early. I was like, all right, cool. I got this interview with Gabe tomorrow. And then I woke up in the middle of the night freaking out because I didn't know where one little piece was for my uh, for my podcasting gear. And I don't know why I thought about it in the middle of the night, but I woke up and I freaked out and I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I was up for like three hours in the middle of the night. And that's when I messaged you last night. I'm like, hey, man, like, I don't know if I'm going to be awake at nine, nine o'clock in the morning. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm awake at that 2 a.m. right now or 3 a.m. whenever it was. So, But I found yeah. it. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's... Uh, Let's talk about some soccer stuff. Yeah, let's. Tell me, tell me a little bit about you know who who you are and and who you're coaching and and a little bit about your background. Uh, okay, so background wise, um, I'm from a place called Lansdale, which is a suburb of Philly. I grew up playing soccer there. Um, just you know, played local club, played high school. It's called Super Y League. It was kind of like the DA end up becoming, you know, we play against like DC United, Red Bulls. Um, so a lot of my club teammates end up playing, you know, at a high level of college, uh, a handful of them played pro or in the national team. Uh, I was never that level player, but I played with those guys, um, played division three college, uh, out near Pittsburgh at a place called Geneva college, had a good four year career, knew I wanted to get into coaching, got into it straight away. Um, I actually went to a rival school. That's where I'm at right now <laughs> since I uh, graduated. It's called Westminster. Um, and I've actually been an assistant coach at college for eight years um, or eight seasons anyways. Um, and then I coached club. I've only coached at two clubs. And the only reason I left the first one is because it uh, merged with another club and I wasn't happy with that. So, But I'm happy with the club I'm at now. It's called Northern Steel. Um, and then I coach uh, at the state and regional level for ODP um, in the East region. So for PA West would be our state. And then uh, East region um, used to be region one. Uh, I've been doing that for two years, ODP as a whole for three years, and then club and college for eight. So, and I'm 29. So. Thanks. So you got a, you got, you got some experience for being a young guy. <laughs> Yeah. And actually, you know, the Colton, the guy you've had on here before, I don't know if he talked to you at all about it, but he actually reached out to me um, and kind of saw that we followed like similar people on Twitter. And he actually lives not too far from where I live. So we met up and he's actually my assistant um, for my 06 girls team at ODP. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And so and three, that... four, three people merging. That came about from from just kind of like you guys noticing mutual contacts. Yeah, on Twitter, and you know, like I know he had a he did a, a podcast interview with you before, um, and then he, you know, he saw that he saw my name around in this area and stuff like that, and then he kind of put it all together. Um, he also reached out to me prior to even um, doing the thing with you, asking me about advice for the C license course. Um, just like what to expect and he didn't even know who I was he just saw that I had completed it and everything so I'd given him some help so yeah well man there's there's a number of different ways we could we could go right now because I know that you have you have taken the 
the USSF licensing path. I can see that you've that you've accomplished a lot in a short amount of time when it comes to the coaching education front. Um, yeah. And and I I actually just messaged with Colton last week. So people that are listening to this that have listened to Colton's episode with me, um, will will remember that him and I basically dissected his experience through the C course. And Colton messaged me last week saying he was denied entry to the B course. And so he's super bummed about that. And we're hoping to maybe talk about that in the future um, and what route he goes next. But um, yeah, he actually texted me about that. And um, I think I kind of told him like, you know, like I feel like for me personally, I advanced in getting into the B license course because of my involvement at the regional ODP level. Um, And I told him like, you know, there's a few ways to get involved, but that he's going to have to find another route, whether it's finding a DA program, an ECNL type program, or moving up in the ODP ranks. Otherwise, it's just going to be an uphill battle, you know, regardless of how qualified someone is. Tell me a little bit about your experience with ODP, because that's really fascinating to me. It doesn't really exist in my area, and the kids that get approached for ODP in this area, they, they you know... They think it's like this. They think it's their fast track to the professional game because we are so. Um, the the way I describe our area is like a soccer desert. We're between San Francisco and L.A., and that's really where like the epicenters are of uh, yeah. of soccer in California. And so we're just kind of stuck in the middle on the coast. And so when you know a kid gets approached by somebody that's from ODP, you know while they're at a game in LA, the parents get all excited and they think like, "Oh my God, my kid's gonna you know make it to the pros." And it's like, well, probably not. And it's it's probably because ODP doesn't have a presence in this area that it's pretty misunderstood. And I'm always really curious to hear about the ODP experience in other areas because it's so prevalent in in so many other communities. And it's, and then in, in other places, it's, it, I kind of feel like it's come and gone. Like it, it, like it's not really respected in, in, in some ways in, in certain areas. So, yeah, well, I think that comes from the, the DA on both sides becoming more prevalent, um, and you see no programs, uh, and just like cost all around. So if, if parents or whatever are paying for those things and then ODP comes into play, I can say that in, in our state organization, ODP was something always that was supplemental. And so it was affordable for the most part. They were able to give kids like assistance. Um, you know, and it's time consuming. It's, it's only once a week for eight week periods. And then you go play in a tournament typically um, at the state level. Like you, you'll get some really talented players. You'll get some kids that are okay. It depends on the state. You know, some like some states have like Virginia, like in our region, Virginia, Eastern PA and even Massachusetts, like they have and even New Jersey, they have massive numbers of kids. So, you know, they're able to, you know, they'll feel like three teams in an age group sometimes and they'll have an A, B and C team and kids are willing to play on the C team because the overall level is still decent. Um, but my my experience is that the regional level is really exciting especially when we go to regional camp, they have it every year in July. Um, and you get like two or 300 kids from across the region. They get recommended. And then we pick like, depending on the pool size and the age, like the top 50 to hundred kids. And then they get like scaled into like the top 20, the next 20 kids, the next 20 kids. But the level for that is, is really high compared to, you know, just seeing club level or, you know, 
what people consider the highest for their area. Normally, the the regional level team is is really high. They actually just had the uh, inter regionals in Boca in Florida over Thanksgiving, uh, and that's where the East, West, North, and South, which is how the regions are broken up in the United States, they all play against each other. Um, and so the East, the East actually did really well. I think they won one of the age groups and they finished like second or third in all the other ones. So it's, it's, you know, competitive, you know, the West is obviously usually really good and each, each region kind of has an identity per se for like what they're known for. Um, like the East is known for having like grit. That's like a, a weird thing. Um, they get kind of labeled as that. Um, the West is known for like, you know, the flair and the possession soccer, uh south is probably in the same boat midwest is known for like having more athletic kids like physicality type thing i don't know but yeah all um, the all the stere- all, all the standard stereotypes <laughs> yeah it, it, they all and to be fair they kind of they do come out in a way but um you know the a lot like a lot of division one uh like top division one schools like will recruit at those type of events and find kids uh from those things uh, the amount of kids that go from the regional ODP level to national, like get into like a national camp, I, I, I couldn't speak on the amount, whether it's high or low. Um, I would imagine no matter what, it's not super high because they only take so many kids in each age group from across the whole country. So, you know, it's it's competitive in that sense. But Gabe, I'm I'm curious, like what the end goal of ODP is at this at this point in time, because with so many things like ECNL and the DA, and you know the youth national teams having their own programs, like like where does ODP fit into everything, and and what is like your your instruction from from the higher ups, like like what are you guys trying to accomplish with with the ODP program in in 2018? Uh, that's a great question because I think I know. I know that like when my director goes to meet with other people within U S soccer and with other, um, ODP directors, it, once they implemented the DA, it's kind of weird. So ODP and like the DA under USU soccer umbrella. And then basically they said that a kid can't do both. So that made things really complicated. So like, for example, last summer we had kids that we were going to offer spots to no matter what for the regional team, but we needed them to let us know if they were going to take a spot on a DA team over ODP, because then if they were, then they weren't allowed to play ODP. So it was really interesting um, that they kind of conflict. But I think from what I've heard is that they're pushing for ODP to be more prevalent again. I think it was prevalent in the past and then it took a dip and now it's resurfacing. Um, but like for us, like we have like, terms of style of play like i think they want to push what u.s soccer is pushing in terms of like playing from the back they want they want it to be four three three um you know they they have certain like style things like they don't want punting you know or limit it at best there's a lot of things that they're like pushing within that that i think they're trying to unify from the national team level all the way to state team level um and i think they're just hoping that kids will come out of the woodwork from that, you know, that they're being coached in those environments. They're being coaching things that if they happen to be really good and they move up, it won't be like foreign to them that they're being instructed, you know, in a certain way. 
Yeah, it's still uh, it's still something I I work to understand because I have no firsthand experience with ODP whatsoever, other than you know seeing some of the scouts at state cup games when we have to travel with our teams to kind of like one of the the epicenters, usually four or five hours south, um, and the ODP ODP scouts will be on the sidelines of those games. But other than that, I have no real real experience with with ODP, and I'm always fascinated by it. Mainly because, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like a kid will get approached at one of those games, parents will get all excited, and then they'll ask me something like, is it worth it? And I'm like, what do you mean, is it worth it? And then they're like, yeah, well, it's like, you know, 200 bucks or something like that, whatever the whatever the cost is to go down there and to just try out and to go. To, I, I don't even know if it's a tryout. Is it, do you guys do tryouts or do you guys do camps? We have, in in our state organization, we have tryouts. Uh, most of them do like they typically happen at the end of summertime. Um, the thing that we don't do enough of that I think happens in other states is that they do do more scouting. Um, but the issue we run into is that they don't want club coaches recruiting kids out of ODP, <laughs> which happens. Like I know, I know of at least three coaches that have been fired because they were, you know, found guilty of, you know, straight recruiting out of their ODP team to get the kids to their club team. Um, and that's, you know, like that's some dumb things that happen all the time. Um, and so it's hard to find a coach that could go and scout that doesn't have a bias and just says, this is the best right back at 03. This is the best, you know, number eight at 04, you know, in our whole state organization. And we want to get this kid. So t- tell yeah. me, tell me about your process then. Like if you're, if you're coaching a team, how are you finding your players and how are you, how are you able to not recruit them for your own, for your own teams? Because that seems like a natural <laughs> progression to me. Yeah. So I, I got, for me, I avoid, I don't like, we're not allowed to wear club stuff. Obviously kids that are from my club, they're in ODP, know me on a more personal basis that, you know, typically come talk to me or they ask me questions, but I avoid letting people know which club I'm affiliated with. Most people know that I'm affiliated with a college and my affiliation ODP. So I try to, like, they probably know, but I don't make it a thing. I feel like it's uh, based on reputation and like, I want to protect mine. So I'm not going to go out there and be like, Hey, you're really good. You know, you should think about coming over to my club, you know, but that happens, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, or, or the other people get other parents involved. Like, Oh, you know, don't you like, you know, it'd be like, you only like Coach Gabe, you know, you like him as a coach. Well, you should, you know, we, we're looking for another player. You should come. That is probably the natural progression out of what happens when the coach doesn't get involved. Um, but I just think, like, for me, like, I, I've been fortunate, like, in every age group I've coached, um, I've had, like, a high retention rate with the players because um, I feel like they have an enjoyable experience. But it's also because, like, dumb things like that don't come into play. Like yeah. people that have problems, they typically, it's because they do shysty things. Um, and the other people are typically, and the parents and players are not happy about it. So, you know, they tend to walk away. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Re- recruiting and, and scouting and youth soccer is, is obviously uh, a subject that is a touchy subject. It's a, I think misunderstood subject. And, and people that think that you know it doesn't happen or shouldn't happen, I, I don't know if they have a good grasp on on the reality of of global soccer. 
but yeah um but i think well yeah. i would love to touch on like the like evaluation process yeah yeah whether it's at the state level but even at the regional level it's it's really eye opening um especially working with like the coaches that are on staff are like us scouts you know or some of the people in our east region staff for the national team um and so they're when they're looking at kids and we're saying like hey we just watched this kid play okay someone speak on her is she really good is she not you know we have like and with some like big time experienced coaches in, in, in this room and you know i might say hey i really like this kid and then someone's like no she doesn't have it you know and then someone else is like yeah you know give her another shot it's 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 really interesting to be in a room with like 10 other people that have been evaluating kids like for way longer than i have and what they like and don't like in players and a lot of it has to do with like you know some people are da- dazzled by you know, the speed of a kid or the athleticism. And then the more experienced people are like, yeah, but they can't, you know, they won't be able to play a Boca because they don't have the, the tactical awareness. They don't have the touch, you know, they're going to get exposed or they see kids that are really technical and they're like, yeah, but you know, she's maybe a year away because she's going to really struggle with the speed of play. You know, it's so interesting, but there's so many kids that I think make it because a lot of coaches are objective in their evaluation and they know like, okay, this kid might be small, but she's also only 12 years old. And in two years time, um, you know, she's going to grow a little bit. She's going to keep up, but she has the, the vision and the technical ability that none of the other kids have. That happens a lot. Um, the way that, I think, the, the way that you're describing like that, that round table type process and the conversations with other coaches is really fascinating to me as well. And, and you know, the, the reasons why coaches choose or choose uh, or, or not, or not choose. Sorry, um, certain players is really, really fascinating to me. And the, some of the terms that you use, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here, but it's like when, when people say like, oh, they're not technical enough. It's like, well, shit, man. Like, what does that mean? Like, like when if you if you're gonna tell me I'm not technical enough as a player, like, can you give me like? like some actual feedback like is it my left foot is it my right foot is it the touch with the outside of my foot with the inside of my foot like what about me is not technical enough and I don't feel like coaches a lot of times go into enough detail or understand or or even have the the understanding uh, of what that means and so they use kind of you know terms or slogans or things like that to to eliminate players or to choose players um without without a deep understanding of those things themselves. I don't, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. And I, like, I, I always come back to this great, uh, like Brian Cliven quote, where he always says like, how <laughs> technical does a player have to be if they understand time and space, Yeah, you know? And so sometimes a lot of it is a positional issue or like you said, like what foot they're receiving it with. I think that in the nature of like those, those evaluation meetings where we're trying to add kids or cut kids from the pool, um, it saves time. You know, like those, that feedback isn't given to the, the, that type of feedback that's more general isn't given back to the player. Like they could get more specific feedback, but like in a room where we only have like an hour to deliberate, it's like, (laughs) it's hard to be super specific unless a lot, unless someone feels really passionate about someone one way or the other, or a few people do, you know, like if you, if you say, yeah, I really like the kid and, you know, their left foot isn't the best but they can do this this and this you know and you can really make a a valid argument for that player then you know then that's when more specific points will probably come out at the time versus like 
you know, they don't have this. They don't have that. You know. Have you ever have you ever gone to battle over a player? Yes, yes. <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh, my most memorable one would be a kid that I I saw that she had all the potential, but she wasn't showing it, which is very common. Like, um, you know, the kids are nervous; they're in a new environment, etc. So sometimes they don't show. Like some kids like shine in that moment. Other kids are like new place, new food, new people, new coaches, new everything. They like shut down. So I, I saw that this kid had tremendous dribbling ability, uh, at speed. Um, she was very direct in terms of taking players on. She was also able to like get herself in really good pockets of space. Um, but then those moments were like, you know, just sometimes she would show up, sometimes she wouldn't. So I was like, okay, I can't put this kid in because she's going to fail if she goes in day one or day two. Um, you know, and I, we had like a, we have like player feedback sessions and I, you know, I talked to her and she's crying, you know, cause she hasn't gotten pulled into the pool yet. And I'm like, you know, we went over like specifics and her mentality and just trying to get over being nervous. Um, and I tried to get other coaches involved. It's like, Hey, can you come look at this kid? Because I see something special, but it's not enough for her to go into the pool yet. Or if she goes in, she'll most likely crumble and get spit back out. So it, it wasn't until the last possible session that they could get like pulled in. I feel like she had done enough. I put her name in. Um, she trained that night with the head coaches and they were like, oh man, like why, you know, this kid that just got pulled in today was like one of the stars of the the whole session. I was like, boom, baby. Like, <laughs> 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 but you know, it was, I was hoping because she also could have crapped the bed, but I said like, you know, if she does show up, she will definitely wow everyone you know and it was fortunate that she did and um i remember seeing her this year and you know she came up and hugged me and, and thanked me and everything and i was like now you know there's definitely a little bit of luck involved but it's you know there's some tact involved like i've seen some coaches that just will throw kids in like oh i like this kid and everyone's just like no she doesn't have it like a unanimous no <laughs> um there's only some people like um there's a lady that comes, her name's Lisa Cole, and she's got like a, uh, an amazing rap sheet. Like she coached NWSL, she coached at the Under-20 World Cup. Um, if she puts her name on a kid and not everyone else agrees, they'll probably give that kid a bump because she's got that eye. You know, she you know has an experience that not everyone else has. So sometimes she sees something in the kid that she's like, trust me, this kid will stick. And she'll end up being right. Everyone will be like, hmm that kid was okay. And she'd be like, trust me, like give it another day. This, this will be the kid. So it's, it's, I think experience has a lot to do with it just from watching games and watching kids in that environment. Um, and knowing what to look for. There's definitely kids that we get wrong, you know, for every story that's, you know, some kid, you know, we spot that's got it all. There's also kids that we're like, yeah, we like that kid. And then, six months later we have like a training somewhere and that kid like fizzled out, you know, that, that happens as well. Um, but I think that happens everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's something that's, um, one of the hardest parts of, of coaching, especially like just even in your normal club environment where you have a player that's maybe been with you for two, three years, you have a relationship with the family and then all of a sudden like the performance, like just, you know, it, it dips or it's going the wrong direction. And, like, how do you part ways with, with a player that you're, 
not only just like you know attached to through the club, but like emotionally and 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 you know f- with a friendship and and all types of of different things. Like it's very difficult for coaches to separate themselves in that moment and be like, hey. I need to get rid of this player or I, I need to, you know, reduce this player's role from starting to, to role player. Um, those, those are, those are super difficult moments that we don't talk about in coaching education to my knowledge. Um, and you don't really get, you don't get guidance as a, as a coach about those types of moments. So that's kind of those things that we just learn on the fly. And with experience, like you mentioned, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years worth of experience, you might come up with a system that works for you, but a lot of times I feel like coaches are probably either number one, not noticing it or number two, just, just winging it, which I don't know if there's a better way. (laughs) Yeah. I think like I've been fortunate, like I've had a lot of mentors and like coaching colleagues, um, that are more experienced than me, more knowledgeable than me or better than me in all those areas. And so like, I always like in this instance, I would look back at the guy I coached with at college. and I think about every time that we've had a meeting with a player where that kid's like, you know, maybe a sophomore, junior, even senior, like that we recruited them, they've been in the program and they've been there and just like blasted him. And, and, you know, there's all this emotional attachment to the kid and investment, but like they're upset because they're not playing or whatever it is. And then you have to sit there and be very transparent with the kid and say like, look, you're not getting the job done, you know? And and seeing him deal with those hard situations, where I was like, shit, I don't want to, I don't want to have to be the one to say that right now, you know. And him being able to like have thick skin and and not be mean about it and just be honest about it, like you learn a lot. I think just by witnessing other people do that, because um, if you, I think people that wing it, man, they're, they're, it's a risky, <laughs> it's a risky situation. Um, you know, it's it's best practice i think is to always be transparent um because those people always will appreciate your honesty but you also have to be transparent all the time you know it's something that's hard that's that's not easy to do either it's not um but yeah i've i've been fortunate in that sense that i've I've seen people have to deal with those hard situations and even like at at, back to odp like there's always tears you know these kids come with high aspirations and you know if only 50 kids out of 300 make it, there's 250 kids that are like, I thought I was going to be the next Alex Morgan and I didn't even get in the pool, Yep. you know, and they're crying, you know, and you got to, and you have to deal with it. You can't just be like, okay, uh, you're crying. I think I'll leave now. You know, like you, <laughs> you have to be a human being and, and, and support them and be there for them. And they're not going to be happy, you know, or, you know, you might try to comfort them and they're going to be like, but why, you know, like they want to know like real answers. And I think that's where, like, you have to be real with kids, adults, whatever it is. Because um, after they wipe their eyes or, you know, the, after they blow off the steam, like, they'll be like, okay, at least I know how that, per- how that coach feels or why, they, or why they're making this choice. The worst is when people just, like, patty cake it, say, no, nah, it'll be okay. It's good. Like, they didn't, you know, it, it's not specific enough and it's not telling them what they need to do better. You know, I think a lot of people appreciate good feedback, honest feedback. Um, and obviously throwing some positives in there is always helpful, like sandwiching it. But you have to be real with them. Absolutely. Know? It's something I don't get a, I, I don't, 
Well, it's not that I don't get a chance to talk about it, but I just don't talk about it very often on the podcast. People probably assume that the three four three coaching education program is mainly just drills and and you know passing exercises and things like that. Just I mean, there, that stuff exists in there. But if you if you get far enough in the program and, and you're enjoying you know what what you're receiving, you get to a few lessons that I think are, are some of the most impactful that we've ever put out there, which are are the actual recorded conversations, the players and the coaches kind of going through a, like a, a, a review of their of their performances. And the parents are involved in those conversations as well. And and to me, that's probably one of one of, if not the most valuable uh, lessons in the three four three coaching program, and I'm not using this as a, as like this ad or or something like that. It's just people don't know that that is part of uh, one of the years of of education, and and we're talking about some of the best players in the country, like like Uli sitting down with Brian and and Uli's dad. Like that's and I I can't even place a, a number value on that. Or Ephra sitting down with Brian and and Ephra's dad. Like that's. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, uh, th- that's that's super valuable insight for coaches, for parents, for players to hear how how brutally honest that is. And one of those conversations actually is really uh, the the one with Ephra and his dad and Brian is is super super interesting. Where Brian kind of downloads uh, the feedback that he received from from Ephra's time with the national team camp and and kind of gives all that information to Ephra and his dad at, at that moment. And, and, you know, where else will you get that real, uh, that realness in the conversation and the education aspect of, of that? It's just that that doesn't exist anywhere else, especially for that yeah. caliber of a player. And yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rack my brain right now. Like, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on the podcast before. So um, I don't think so. Yeah. But all that <laughs> stuff, like anytime, anytime it's like, not just the sessions, but like how he's delivering it or how he's setting the tone or the things that he's saying to them during a match. Like those things are like such like little golden nuggets that it's not about, it's not really about like the, uh, the sessions themselves or the activities or, or the order of them, but it's like the way he um, executes it uh, and his tactfulness, I would say in terms of his approach um it's so effective it's so effective yeah. you know like the kids grasp what he's saying it's always like concise it's always like direct he can be funny he can be serious uh all, all within like 30 seconds yeah you know, it's like, <laughs> i was gonna say so many, all like, in one little sentence. things <laughs> yeah there's so many little things that um that's such a art to coaching it's not just about like i know this activity or i can get my team you know my team plays this formation it's like how effective can you be and on a consistent basis, you know, Absolutely. not just one tournament, one game, like, you know, and that's where the three, four, three thing, like what, what sold me on it was that it's, it's so applicable to every environment and um, it just showed that it can be done. Like, I don't think a lot of people believed and that it could be done until those videos emerged. And then um, it's just kind of, grown so much since then you know because i remember i i was like man do i want to spend this money on this course and be like the original member and all that stuff and then i was like yeah i think i I just felt like it was it it was something like yeah it's it's going to be worth it um 
you know, so I'll, I'll plug three, four, three for you. So. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's always like a dance for me. Like I don't want to sound like it's state TV where I'm just like talking about our own product the entire time, but yeah. it's also something where I, I, I want to get the message out there to other coaches because I found it very useful myself as a, as a coach. Like I, I was, I still am just like every yeah. single person, um, that that is coaching youth soccer where I'm always trying to learn and I'm always trying to to steal ideas from other people and and I feel like I was very fortunate to find you know Brian's work at the time that I did because it it was it was very impactful and it was very useful and it was very effective and and that was the thing that I I think helped me the most is that I saw is that I saw results like I was like okay well you know if I do this this is what it should ultimately look like. And then it did. I was like, oh shit, like that worked. So um, I, I was able to see like real life results. And, and that's when I became like a, like a diehard, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just, uh, and well, that's a, I'm going to maybe rearrange what I was going to say. <laughs> I always have to be careful too with what I say. Um, but but yeah, one one of the things that I think is, is is super useful is that you and you kind of mentioned it too, is that it's not just about the the drills. And I hinted that we we cover some off the field stuff with the player, parent, and coach meetings and, and things like that. And and as people progress in the membership program, they get to see like the pregame and the halftime and the postgame instruction in addition to the uh training sessions and then obviously the coaching within the game and, and, and things like that. But the program, it, it just encapsulates everything. Like it's, it's, it's everything from the time the kids were 11 or 10 and 11 years old to the time where they are now, but it's, it's everything. And everything is so important. You can't just tackle one aspect of it. You can't just tackle, uh, playing out of the back. Like it, 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 and a lot of times coaches think like, Oh yeah. Like I, I train playing out of the back and you know, that that's my style of play. It's like, no, like it's so much more. There's so much more that goes into, you know, your identity as a team or your philosophy as a coach or your methodology and, and insert buzzword there. But, um, but, but it's just like the, the, the total picture, the total, the total education aspect of it is, is kind of what, what is most special to me? I don't even know why I started talking about that, Gabe. <laughs> it's all right, man. I just always say it, it's chess, not checkers. That's what it's. That's, Absolutely. You know, it's always like everyone's like, oh, soccer is a simple game. They no are way. correct. They're correct in, in, in the sense of like, <laughs> yeah, there's 22 players in the field. There's two goals, like trying to score. But this, this in terms of coaching, this is so complex. And it changes all the time, too, in terms of how you have to be, how you have to interact. You know, there's just so much to it. Like, I, like, I, like right now, like I've reached out to someone asking about some periodization help because my club schedule, like, we only train once a week. And the space I have isn't ideal. And it's really difficult to, to like, periodize, uh, you know, whether it's, like, two months or the whole year like out of what i'm going to work on because i have such little time with the team so is i'm that, like what what is that other because of weather do? or uh yeah i mean where we live like we have to train indoors from november to april um 
and only the clubs that have like a, even if a club has a full size indoor field, like, you know, in a dome or something, they still get like a third of the field, which is probably double what I have. Um, but yeah, and so those things make it complicated, but it's like, you still want to be effective. Like I can't say I can't be effective because I only have this much space. You know, I have to like find ways to, to work within what I have. Um, but it's just like, there's so many things to that in terms of like, you know, how you're going to block out what you're going to work on, you know, the players you have available, you know, like we, I had a scrimmage just say with uh, one of the teams I coach that I think it's going to be a pretty good team. And like one of the players that, you know, is already committed to a college and she's, you know, regards one of the better players of the club. I was like, Oh, she's so, she doesn't understand where, you know, a lot of times where to be and when, um, you know, she's just relied on being big and fast. Um, and she's not the best finisher either. So it's like, man, I was like, this kid's gone through this whole club system or she's gone through a whole playing career with high school and whatever. And no one's ever said anything to her. <laughs> and I'm like scratching my head. Like there's so much more to it. You can't just say, like, Hey, we have good players. Well, yeah, we have good players, but you know, do they know what to do and when and, and, um, in different phases of the game, you know, like how, how are they going to defend? What do we do if, if the team's not going to play out of the back and they're going to punt, where should she be? Like, there's so many, like, there's so many questions that have to be answered. That's why the game's not simple is my point. Like there's so many things you can attack and coaching is finding the best way to attack those things, you know, in an effective manner. You know, I think you see like, you know, like probably when you started out, when I started out, like I tried to attack everything at once. Yeah. And it was an absolute shit show. Yep. Because there were no on-field, nothing produced out of that, you know. Um, And then you, you know, you you, obviously as you progress and your coaching career, you start learning those things. But yes, I'm scratching my head right now. I got so much to fix. Like I have so many good players right now, but (laughs) there's so many team aspects that haven't been addressed. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I only have so much time. Yeah, it'd be it'd be cool for you to kind of share a little bit of that experience um, that that you're kind of going through because I know for a fact that a lot of other coaches are going through that same experience that you're going through right now, and I, I know that I like idea sharing on Twitter is obviously a, a big huge thing, and and that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people gravitated towards the original three four three blogs is because like the comment section became like that idea sharing. Um, yeah. Like, like kind of just like a messaging board for, for coaches like, Hey, like, you know, I'm experiencing this too, and this is how I'm dealing with it. And, and these are the results that I'm seeing. What are you doing over there? And, and I know that coaches are, are always looking for, for people that are, um, going through similar situations. Uh, I, I don't know if more experience is necessarily, um, a, a thing anymore when it comes to social media, because, you know, people, I'll use Colton as an example. People learned a lot from Colton and Colton doesn't have a lot of experience. He's a, he's a young yeah. guy, but he's doing things, you know, a different way and he's, he's getting the results that, that he wants. So people are, you know, 15, 20, 30 years, um, his elder and they're learning from him. So, um, yeah. where, where can, uh, where can people kind of connect with you and, and maybe share some ideas or steal from you? Uh, Twitter right now is probably the best bet. They can always email me. Um, you're brave. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's like, a, I don't know if you posted the thing you post on your thing. Uh, you can put my email on there or something. <laughs> but right. no, I don't care. Like, I don't mind. I mean, you know, whether no one emails me or a bunch do, like, it's, 
you know, I think everyone had to start somewhere. Like I, I learned so much from everyone that I've encountered and, and coached with, you know, it, it's not a huge deal. Um, but yeah, Twitter for me, my biggest thing is that like, I, I want to start filming everything that I do because I think no matter what, and I th- it got brought up in one of your podcasts recently, like a hundred of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it was like, um, you know, like it's, it's hard to be super credible in a sense, or, you know, everyone can talk really well about things, but having the, having the video evidence and, and going through it to a point helps. Um, and then for my own personal growth, like from doing the licensing courses, this was the first time I've ever been filmed. Um, and like seeing yourself and hearing yourself and, and watching what you do. Oh man, you, it's like, it's so eye opening. Um, and in a good way, you know, like you see like what you do well, and what you don't do well and things that you thought you saw or things that you thought you sounded this way, you came across a different way. It's so good. So that's something that I'm, I'm aiming to do. I think that's going to be my 2019 goal is going to be to, you know, start filming sessions. I really wanted to film ODP sessions because I think that's a lot easier than my club environment, but yeah. No, it's, it's important stuff, man. And, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, I I personally really respect the work of Joey Cassio, who's you know a colleague of mine. But but it's because he's documented his his entire journey, and yeah. you know, just over this last weekend, he he won another trophy with his uh with his O fours, which is a newer team that he took on, I think, last year. And it's just like, hey, like how how can you deny that this guy is doing good work when you know number one. It's all recorded, and number two, he's getting the results. And, and and I guess the number three is that he the style of play, the identity on the field is there throughout. Doesn't matter what club he's at. And so, you know, without having all of that documented, I don't know if Joey if, if Joey could you know really uh, just lean on the results aspect and and get get the respect that he deserves. But now that it's it's all there with the documentation, you know he he can, he can showcase exactly what he's doing and, and people should, should respect it in, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's my blurb for Joey. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that he won. That's good. But yeah, I mean the whole video thing, I mean, it just gives you that extra credibility. Cause some people will have results. Like everyone has these people that, like, they can be bad coaches that just have the yeah. 11 best players. They win, you know, that happens. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, dude. I don't want to. I don't want to eat up your your entire lunch hour. Um, I feel like we. I feel like we covered a lot of ODP stuff. I hope you're okay with that. Was there Was there anything that you that you kind of came into this conversation wanting to talk about? Oh, I get. I guess I should. What I should ask you is the question I ask everybody. What do you think people need to know? <laughs> um, I think they need to know that they in coaching you have to come up with your own ideas and philosophy about about each moment of the game like uh you know attacking defending in those transition moments um you can't have a clear vision of what you want to do without knowing those things and if you don't know those things then you can never convey that to your players and your, or your teams that you coach because if you don't have a clue they're not going to know or you it, you won't be believable like you have to have some convictions about what you want to do um, and those can change. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that they can change, you know, like if you want to press with one team, but not the other, because of the personnel you have, yep. you know, that's it. but you have, but no matter what you have to have 
a philosophy about how you want that team to play. And I always think back to, uh, I think it was Brian talking about how, you know, they were playing 4-3-3, but he has three really talented number nines, so two of them are on the bench. So he had to switch to 4-4-2 to at least have two of them on the field. Like, those things make sense, but you can't make that choice without having, like, a clear vision of what you want to do. Yep. You know? So I think at its core, no matter what, like the coaches out there, you've got to really try to come up with how you want your team to play um, in, in each of those moments, whether you're going to play out of the back or not, whether you're going to press or not, you know, where are you trying to win the ball? You know, what does your team do when they lose it? You, you have to know or have a pretty strong idea of how you want that to happen. And that, then all the coaching will come into play from there. Then your sessions will be easier to, to plan out because you know, what you want to do. Absolutely. You know, it, it sounds simple, but it's like so many people have no clue about what they want to do. Or so many people will think they want to do what Pep does, but they can't do it because of the players they have. Yep. You know, like, yep. so that's, that's my, that's my speech. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, all right, man. Well, I'm going to link to, I'm going to link to your Twitter. I'm not going to share your email. I'll link to your Twitter. If anybody wants to connect with you via email, they can do that through connecting with you on on social media um perfect and yeah that'll be that'll be in the write-up and cool. i appreciate your time man and i appreciate hey, you man, uh, i appreciate you being an advocate for for 343 and and just helping spread our our ways of thinking in your neck of the woods yeah for sure Right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast and a big thank you to Gabe Kleiner for coming on the show and sharing his thoughts on soccer from his perspective, from his neck of the woods. And I also want to give a big shout out to Gabe for being a believer in 343 and for being a member of the 343 coaching education program. That program is actually what helps to support and fund this podcast. So thank you, Gabe, and thank you to all the other 343 members. If you are not a member and you are looking to find more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, you can do that by going to 343coaching.com. And here is a testimonial from Tom Beyer talking about his experience with one of our online courses. And I can tell you, after someone who's done a lot of coaches' education, both as a student as an instructor, that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I liked about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity, man. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how, to, how to develop, um, not just, you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. Once again, you can find all of that information by visiting 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343, the word coaching, all spelled out, .com. All right, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 Podcast.